The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. This is an emergency podcast. Derek Peterson here and joining me in person today. Fantastic to say that. Brandon Vogel. What's up, man? How you doing? Just a normal day. Exciting to uh, finally have a quarterback to recognize as the starter. Everything's good. Got a great backup. Um, <laughs> Base is covered for this 2018 season. Let's get it going. Dude, there is never a bore. Like, there's never a slow day on this beat. <laughs> Was it, is it always like this? The slow days may have been uh, towards the end of last season when uh, it was pretty clear where that season was headed, and there wasn't going to be much to shake it out of that. But even oh, then, we were on like we were on coach, coach firing watch. and yeah. coach hiring watch, though. Yeah, you're, you're right. It's college football. There's there's there's, there's no slowing down. Um, man, what a what a crazy. Crazy thing. One of the first, like, big kind of, I guess, at least how it played out on Twitter, negative days of the Scott Frost era. Is, was today a negative day? Yeah, today was definitely a negative day. Like, I think I made a comment earlier, like, people are super spicy on Twitter right now. <laughs> and, like, I, I think it was this way, like, a day or two ago. Maybe it was just getting close to the quarterback announcement because you had two very uh, distinct camps. Like, you either loved Adrian or you loved Tristan Jebbia, and, and when you <laughs> when you split the camps, you were like, somebody was going to be pissed. Right. And people were definitely pissed today. <laughs> um, so let's, I, I, I mean, we're here to talk about Tristan Jebbia, uh, first and foremost, because, I mean, none of us were expecting to walk into the press conference that Scott Frost had Monday morning and hear that Jebbia was not going to be with the team much longer. Um, and Scott didn't, didn't technically say Jebbia's gone, but just reading body language and listening to how he talked, like it was very clear that there was a lot of tension between um, the coaching staff and player. So I want to get your reactions first. Um, what did it feel like in that room this morning when Scott was talking about Tristan Jebbia and then when, when news was broken that he has asked for his release uh, and, and is hoping to transfer? What was your reaction to that? Well, in the room, it was it was really strange, you know. <clears throat> there's there's always sort of the scuttlebutt out there that maybe this is out there, mm-hmm. but still, like you know, with the way he talked about it, the way he he was very careful with with how he said what he said, um, and you know, kind of hit <clears throat> the main points. I think any coach tries to tries to hit. Hey, we'll go with the guys who who want to be here, that sort of stuff. But. Um, <clears throat> It surprised me more from like what I knew of Jebbia. So like we know this is possible for like any time a quarterback race like this goes down. Like I think at this point we just assume, oh, the guy that loses is gone. Um, but not in twenty four hours, you know, no. not not that quickly. So the the whole thing played out very strangely to me. And like I said, it's why it kind of struck me in a in an off season where everyone's improved their vertical and bench press and squat. Um, this was the first one where you're like, oh yeah, but there's still, there's still the stuff you kind of can't control. There are bad sides. Yeah. Would you have rather had this, or would you rather have had a bunch of player arrests? Which is worse? Oh, 
I think are player arrests like this. Like I said, like with quarterback, we kind of we kind of come to expect it. Like you just assume you recruit the quarterbacks, they come in and try and win the job, and if they don't, they're gone. Which I know bothers a lot of people. Um, doesn't bother me quite as much, maybe as as, as some. Okay, I'm not that tied to the like. Hey, you got to stick it out. I mean, in a perfect world, yeah, that's great. There's there's something to be learned from perseverance, but. Overall, you know, guys want to play, and I, I get it. And quarterback is a bit of a unique position in that regard. Yeah, it is, um, which is interesting because we have two different beliefs on this, so this will be a fun okay. podcast. One of the BTN guys, Brent Urena, I don't know how to say his last name, and I hope I'm not butchering it, uh, but he had this tweet earlier, I'm going to share it with you. Stat to consider in the wake of quarterbacks transferring immediately after losing a fall battle. Illinois, Indiana, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, Northwestern, Ohio State, Purdue, and Rutgers all had a backup play valuable minutes as a result of injured or ineffective starters last year. And that's not even, that's just in the Big Ten. That's not even talking about, I don't know, like the national championship game that had two backup quarterbacks playing in the second half. Oh, Is this an issue? Oh, it's, I think it's a big issue. Like, I've looked at it for a couple of years, and I'm just like, as a coach, what do you do? Because, like, you know, it's become so commonplace, particularly for quarterbacks to transfer, that it's really, really hard to build depth um, unless you just get kind of the years to work out. Like, you know, you get a senior who gets hurt and you're like prize freshman Mm -hmm. is ready to go because your prize sophomore, your prize junior already left. Um, You know, there's often no options. And it's been a problem in Nebraska too. You know, they went straight from Taylor Martinez when he got injured to Tommy Armstrong because there was basically no other option. Um, We saw when Tommy Armstrong had to miss games, they, you know, Riker Fife was like the one guy who stuck it out and was available and played pretty well. And you think about it, just, you know, Adrian talked a little bit about his shoulder injury today. And you think, man, you know, knowing he had that and he didn't play last year, like you aggravate that, um, anything like that, all of a sudden you're Andrew Bunch, which I think Nebraska could be okay with Andrew Bunch. But mm-hmm. beyond that, you've got a true freshman walk on. Yeah. Um, hey, it, it, uh, it worked out for Minnesota. <laughs> you got a true freshman walk-on starting. Who also won a starting job at IMG somehow. That's true, yeah. <laughs> I think I, I remember reading about that. Like, he's not a typical walk-on no, true freshman. No, he has scholarship offers, but he's like a Minnesota legacy. And he just said, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go to Minnesota and I'll prove it. He's also still a true freshman walk-on. Right. Um, I, I mean, I don't like it. I don't like I It feels like... And we've talked. We talked about this earlier. It feels like he quit on the team. And I saw somebody on Twitter that said, because um, I tweeted out a quote uh, that that Tanner Farmer had about you know his message to uh, guys that maybe weren't in a spot on the depth chart that they were happy with, and, and his message was essentially, work, just just keep working, work it out. I was on scout team for two years, and then I started. It'll eventually work itself out if you work hard uh, and you commit to it. And there was a response to that 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 basically said Tristan does not owe us the media or the fans anything but he owes all 130 or so guys that are in that locker room he owes them play he owes them to to stick it out and to to lose the job and we found out that that they found out saturday before that that boneyard bash scrimmage so it's about 36 hours to in that span of of losing the job, and being in a competition that was so tight that it went until six days before the season started to lose that job and then 36 hours later say, yep, I'm out. That's It feels like quitting on the team to me. 
and I'm not I'm not cool with that. And I I mean I understand I'm all for player movement and player freedom and being able to kind of do what you want. And because the quarterback position is very strange, I've always talked I've always wondered with how that works in recruiting. And I've talked to Greg Smith about this because I look at a, a school like Georgia that has like Jacob Eason and Jake Fromm and they got the number one kid in the last class. Like why do quarterbacks do that when only one of you can play? And if one of you is really good, you're going to play four years, which is kind of what Scott said today that they expected Adrian, whoever wanted to be the, the starter for a long time. It's just, I mean, I've, I, you need to stick it out, I think, at least for a season. I, I agree with you. And I think you, you framed it very well. Like, He's not quitting on you and me or the fans or, you know, it's it's really the guys next to him. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it happened so quick that you know, Jebby was a guy, based on everything that I, all the interactions I ever had with him, everything I ever heard about him, like, you, you think this is possible for any quarterback. Um, but if there was one, I thought, oh, he might be one that, that's going to stick it out. Um, I, I would have said it was him. Um, from everything I heard, he really, really loved Nebraska. Um, and it's still possible to do that and decide, well, it's not my, my best chance to go play. Um, but <laughs> to do it after 36 hours, I never, never would have would have projected that. You know, it's you mentioned Farmer's comments. It's kind of interesting to think now. So he's making those comments. At that point, they've just come from practice where they know, we now know, Tristan Jebbia wasn't there. So it's kind of interesting to go back and think about him being asked that and why he said what he did. Um, I'll have to go back and reread those comments to be exactly sure. Yeah, because that answer, I mean, that question and that answer was given before we had talked to Scott and before we knew yeah. anything that was going on with Tristan. So it's 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 weird. And, and I wonder if there is a little bit of the team that feels that way, that feels like he, maybe he let them down. I mean, that, and that's just speculation on my part. I don't, I don't know anything about that. Um, I remember we were talking to Mike Williams in the hallway and, and they asked if anything was different. He's like, no, I mean, we built chemistry with Tristan and we built chemistry with Adrian and now it's just, you know, we know who to, to fall in behind. So it sounded like the team was with both of them. Yeah. I'm just, I'm really curious how this affects the rest of the guys moving forward. Yeah. It, it's interesting because I think you do usually see, well, it's not always that visible, but you over time you kind of hear about a split among the players too because i think there are some of them that are very much like hey man too bad it didn't work out we're still good like go get yours um and then you've got some other guys probably some more veteran guys like tanner farmer who can say hey man i stuck it out like Mm -hmm. we want you to try and do it too um that that you get the other side of it so in that way it probably is like the the public at large at least from what i saw on twitter you kind of got a little bit of both sides of, Mm of of the debate there I hope this isn't well, – it was one of the things that we had talked about. It, it felt a little childish. Um, I hope this is not a kind of knee-jerk reaction. I hope it's not a spur-of-the-moment thing or, or an emotional reaction um, to you know, unfriendly news. And a week or two from now, he's going to think back and be like, oh, man, I should not have done this. I hope that's not the case uh, because you know, Greg Smith pointed out today, like, this is not the first time a 19, 20-year-old kid has made a mistake. Um, so maybe this is ultimately not a mistake. Mm-hmm. Maybe he, I mean, he, I think he's good. Yeah. I think he can go play somewhere and be a D1 starter. Absolutely. But I, but I also think that I'm stumbling over my thoughts cause I have so many thoughts on yeah. this. Like it's I, a, it's a complicated thing. Yeah. It's, it's a hard position because I just don't know, like if he stays for a year, he's wasted, wait, quote unquote wasted a year because he, he, doesn't start and that's what he wants to do 
So then you get into to the, the 2018-19 offseason, and you've got Adrian, who's just come off a, a full year, what we're assuming will be a full year of starting. You've got Noah Vedral, who will now be eligible, who will now have been in the offense for two seasons, going on three seasons. You'll have the new kid in Luke McCaffrey that's coming in. You'll have Andrew Bunch still and Matt Masker, who we keep hearing about Matt Masker. I don't know if that means he's good or not, or we should expect that maybe he becomes a scholarship quarterback at some point or not. But, I mean, I think most rational people would have expected, okay, Tristan would probably transfer after this season, right? Oh, yeah. It, it would make, at that point, if you've gone through the year, you, you you know get some snaps here and there, but it's it's clear that Adrian is, is probably the guy going forward, and you're adding these new people. The federal things specifically, nobody would have been surprised at all if he had gone at that point. And I mean, it's a little bit different with Patrick O'Brien, you know, because there were all these kind of rumors floating about him when when Tanner was named the starting quarterback last year. Mm-hmm. Like, so people were definitely expecting him to be gone at some point. He stuck it out. He ended up they ended up needing him in the Minnesota game. Well, that game was pretty much decided at that point, but they needed somebody to play quarterback. Um, and when he left, and you know, the scheme change obviously made it pretty obvious too. But like when he left, no hard feelings. Everyone's like, we get it. You know, it, it comes down to timing. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the thing that, and this is the thing that I, I said to Greg, and you and I talked about this before we started recording. It's not, it's not that guys leave. It's how guys leave. It's, it's about how you exit. And to do it 24, 36 hours, whatever we want to call it, after finding out that you are not the starting quarterback, it just, the timing is wrong. And I think if he had waited, gone through a season, no one would have blamed him. People would have said, thanks for, thanks for your service or yeah. you know, whatever. And he could have been on his way. Uh, but the flip side of that is then he would have to sit out another year after transferring. Right. So I guess it comes down to uh, can he be a starting quarterback? Where do you think he goes? I don't know where he goes. We're five days before the football season starts. Yeah. Um, probably, I would assume it goes back out west. Like, you know, in the spring when I talked to Coach Verduzco for the, the yearbook feature, like, he legitimately said, he's like, this guy's got one of the best three or four arms in college football. Like, just in terms of pure, I don't like this term, but I'll use it, arm talent. Um, that's that's what Verduzco sees as, as as him in terms of throwing. And there were still things that, you know, Mario is very specific about um, the things he wants to teach and there's things that are working on the same way they were with all the quarterbacks. But, like, for, for that kind of – for that part of it, um, sort of like Tanner Lee, he, I think, checks all the boxes. You know, I think there were some concerns about – he had worked hard to put on some weight, but there's still some durability concerns in mm-hmm. terms of the offense they're going to run here. So, you know, if he can find some something that's a little less reliant probably on the on the dual threat part of it, not because he can't do it, but just because like I think that he's better suited to that. How many Power 5 programs are not running something that requires a dual threat quarterback, though? Like I saw somebody float, maybe he goes back to California and goes and plays for Chip Kelly at UCLA. He doesn't fit that offense either. No, not really. And they, you're right. There's not that many offenses that aren't doing it. I mean, just look at the proliferation of sort of RPOs and that sort of stuff in the NFL. Like mm-hmm. if they're getting there, like those are the quarterbacks they want now. Um, and that'll, I think, continue to grow as we just get a little further down that road. But yeah, there's there's not a ton of just, hey, we need you to drop back and 
be able to throw a 15-yard out, um, which Tristan Jevia can do. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that was that was what the offense was last year. And I don't know if you've picked up on this, but when Gerald Foster has talked about that offense compared to this offense, when he talks about Frosts, he always uses the phrase college-friendly. Yeah. He always uses that phrase. And I find it so interesting because, I mean, pro style is just... I mean that's standard. Everybody uses that. We don't. We don't. That doesn't carry a connotation with it that it can't work in college. Yeah. But then when you hear somebody refer to an offense as college friendly, it's like okay, this is built for this game, yeah. and it maybe won't work at the next level. So why is everybody not doing it at this level? I don't know. I just found that I found that interesting. I hadn't I hadn't noticed that with him, but I think you're you're right. Pro style doesn't carry the connotation of not being college friendly. Mm-hmm. But I would argue that's actually <laughs> what it is. One of my big, and I was not a huge fan of pro style when Riley got here. I mean, like I had no say in it. Like this is what they're going to run, so we'll break it down and analyze it. And try. you were in Sean Icor's office telling him what to do. Right, yeah. right. I was like, look, if you want to, if you want to run a pro style offense, man, <laughs> go right ahead. But look where everybody else is going. It's it's your funeral. Um, no, but, but like, I kind of feel that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, now even Alabama changed. Yeah. Nick Saban changed. Yeah. Like this off season has very much like digging into what Frost does and watching what they do and why they do it. And then just thinking about college football as a whole. Like, I don't know why anybody runs a pro style offense at this level and not that many do anymore, but like, I think it requires a really, really high talent level, which is why, you know, before Alabama started to mold a little bit. You basically had like Alabama and USC and who are some other famously pro-style teams. I mean, I guess you could say Iowa is, kind of. Um, Where does Wisconsin fall? They're pretty close to that, I would say, you know, in terms of getting multiple tight ends. So, like, you either have to have like USC-Alabama talent or you have to have like sort of a freakish ability to just churn out great offensive lines like Wisconsin and Iowa to a slightly lesser degree do. Um it's not. It's not that that couldn't couldn't have worked in Nebraska. If it works in Nebraska or Wisconsin and Iowa, you could probably do it here. But yeah. they weren't getting there under uh, under the previous staff. It didn't look like. So let's talk about the flip side to this because yes, Adrian will be the starter. Who is the backup now? And that is that is a significant role on a college football team for two reasons. Maybe the second one even more important this year, given the redshirt rule. If Adrian goes out through the first game, the first two games looks really bad against Colorado, and they maybe go one and one through the first two games. Like, if you had Tristan here, you could turn to him, and he could be the guy later on. Maybe Scott acknowledges, okay, Adrian's not ready. It looks like it's moving too fast for him, and and you can you can move on, and you can salvage the season because he said today we want to win this year. We we feel like we're dangerous, and he was like, I don't care what other people say about our expectations. We want to win games this year, so. I mean, you're going to put the quarterback, the best quarterback on the field for that. So if that's not Adrian after two games, then you can turn to Tristan. Yeah. Now you don't have that. Now you have to rely on Adrian. And everything that we were talking about depth-wise when we were looking at defense, like at the inside linebacker spot, if they get hurt there, what are they going to do there? Yeah. If Adrian gets hurt, that shoulder pops out again, or something freakish happens when he goes off on a scramble, I mean, you're up a creek without a paddle. Yeah. I think it... So as the offseason has progressed, so... Scott Frost is hired. Like everyone's like, this is amazing. Excitement is off the charts. And, but almost instantly, people are preaching patience. You know, mm-hmm. Scott Frost said it at his very first press conference. And it was, you know, because the, the hire was so universally loved, like he was going to get a unique chance to get it. But like, 
the off season is like the ocean. Like it, it will, it will wear you down eventually, you know, and it doesn't change. So every, and this is happening everywhere across the country. Like no matter what you're like, okay, this is realistic for 2018. Like expectations start to creep up. Like eh, maybe eight wins now, you know, maybe mm-hmm. nine. Um, and so I, I losing Tristan, I think makes it less realistic to kind of chase that. If, I mean, of course, this team goes in wanting to win every game it plays, yeah. the same way everyone does. But like, for what happened today, if, if Adrian is the guy, if he stays healthy, like it firmly cements like, oh, this is all about growth. And like maybe that's what it was going to be anyway. But like as we got closer to to kickoff, I think people are like, well, who knows though? Right now we're oh no. Even if we think six and six is most likely, it's fair to dream of ten wins now. Well, you know you're going to not just take those lumps which you knew before but there's no other there's no other option like you said if those first two games you come out and you're like man i thought that he's not he's not quite there yet he's not quite ready well you're gonna play him anyway at this point sure and from adrian's standpoint maybe that helps from a yep maybe that helps in terms of his development because i mean we we were talking about this when there was the potential for a two quarterback system and how it just it quarterbacks you need to you need to be able to get them in a rhythm you need to be able to to promote some confidence within them within them to where they're not looking over their shoulder after, you know, if, if they miss that out route, oh, I'm going to get yanked. So now Adrian's got that in the back of his mind that, okay, it's me. It's on me. This is my season. This is my team. I don't know that it necessarily changes the talent on the team because either quarterback they went with was not going to have a collegiate pass. They weren't going to have experience. They were going to need to to go through growing pains and things like that. It changes the margin for error for me. Yes. And that is on a – I wasn't getting so swept up in everything. I, I still said six and six because the schedule was brutal. Maybe six and a half is what I creeped up to just to appease Greg. Um, <laughs> but, like, that's – six and six is, like, bare minimum making it into a bowl game. If your margin for error is now scrapped – and there has been losses at other positions. They lost Will Jackson in the in the defensive backfield. You you you've lost a lot of your inside linebackers, and you don't have a lot of depth there. You had to put a guy on scholarship so that you could feel a little bit better about the position. Moving outside linebacker in, like their margin for error as we have gone through this offseason and gotten closer to the start of the season has just evaporated, yeah. and that has given me a little bit of cause for concern. I would agree. It, it probably. You know, it probably has come back a little bit closer to maybe what it, what it should have been um, all along. But you're right. Like, it these sort of late departures, so we've had, what, three or four at this point, like in the past couple of weeks, um, definitely kind of bring you back to it's – I feel more – because I just like everybody else, I like, okay, this is what this season most likely is, but like – here, what's the best case scenario look like and how, how likely does that become? This definitely brought me back down a little bit too. It's it's about growth. It's about what Frost said today. Like if we're getting better each game, then then I'm going to be happy. I think Husker fans will be that way too. Um, yeah. It's just tough. Tough when news like this comes uh, in right away in week one um, before you played your first game and you kind of have to dial it back and say, okay, it's, maybe it's time to – to, to scale back at least a little bit. Yeah, because the press conference this morning was supposed to be like happy, like yeah. Ooh, we're a week from football season, like it's finally here. And then it was like, oh, by the way, we just like lost the guy that was competing for our starting job for like eight months. He's now gone. So yeah. you abstained from the depth chart story. I did. You did not provide your 
your picks. Did you have Adrian, or, what, or were you on the Tristan train? Uh, <laughs> tried, so, let's see, that was late last week. So I think I was I was in Camp Adrian at that point, because um, I had gone back and forth over that sort of two-week stretch there where, you know, they were neck and neck, and then it mm-hmm. was Frost had decided, but he wasn't telling anybody yet. Um, so I think by that point, well, I think last, or last mailbag last week, we had something Adrian-related, and I kind of mentioned that. I was back in his his camp um, because you know, and you and I had talked about it the week before when it was I think neck and neck. Was, you know, when we talked about it too, and we we both said, and I still feel this way to some degree. Like you know, this offense does still feel a little bit quarterback independent, and I think it might have been talking about it then, where I kind of realized, okay, well, if it's quarterback independent, then maybe you go with a higher upside guy. And all the things Frost said today about you know. If guys are tied and we've got one who can run a little bit better, we're probably going to be better off with that guy. And that's kind of where I came around to with, with Adrian. I do remember that now. I think we talked about that on a podcast. Yep. Where I asked you if it mattered who the guy was. Yep. Yeah, okay. I remember that now. Yeah, and I think we were both kind of in the same camp. Where we were like, I think the offense is going to be pretty good no matter no yeah. matter who does it. Um, now, we weren't talking about Adrian Martinez and, and Andrew Bunch. but Sure. Yeah. Which, and, and, you know, I think, I think Bunch can be legitimately good, but... You also can't just paper over the fact that it was a two-man race, mm-hmm. um, you know. So. Sure, yeah. Somebody said he was, you know, he was the third-string quarterback for a reason, which mm-hmm. is is fine. But I also think there are optics that were at play too. Like if you if you had this redshirt freshman kid that was billed as, you know, like Verduzco said, one of the three or four best arms in the country, and then you had your, for all intents and purposes, first-round draft pick, number one overall draft pick quarterback, and Adrian Martinez. You can't really have this walk-on sophomore kid winning the job over the two of them and and build that in your first season when you're going up against the bear of the schedule that they are. Yeah. I mean, in, and again, like, it, it would be – we see all these things in the offseason where you get sort of anonymous comments from coaches, and usually we, like, use that opportunity for them to, to be snarky at one another, mm-hmm. which I love. I love it so much. Um, <laughs> like, give me all of that. But – also, at some point, with somebody who gets a coach talking anonymously, he'd be like, "How frustrating is it, and how hard is it to like maintain quarterback depth? Like, just let it go, you know. Say your piece. I'm not going to put your name on it. I just want to know how you really feel about quarterbacks and the current transfer market. And uh, I don't know if I've ever read that. I'm sure it's been done, but I'd be very interested to see what they had to say. That should be what you uh, go into Big Ten Media Days next year, hoping to write. I, maybe I will. Um, Somehow, somehow these people finagle that anonymous time there. Like, um, maybe I'll try that. Yeah, how do you do that? Do you, like, ask them to just write it down on a piece of paper? Or do you record them off to the side? Or I don't well, know. Well, yeah. I mean, so, have to do so it that's privately. A, yes, and you'd have to have a pretty good deal of trust to be like, okay, like, I'm going to tell you this, but it never comes back to me. Because that's the value in it for everyone involved. Yeah. Um, but it's... It, it's tough to do in the way the Big Ten has their, their media days set up. I think we should just go in next year and not tell people we're with Hale Varsity. We should say that we're with Sports Illustrated. <laughs> and then get those quotes and, and publish them on our site. That's not a bad idea, actually. And then when people get mad, we can just say, what not us? It was Sports Illustrated. Yeah. Well, they shouldn't be mad. No be... culpability on our part. <laughs> be anonymous. But you're right. You gotta, you gotta, we should... We should impersonate an outlet that already does many of these sort of blind items. Um, so that way the coach is like, oh, yeah, I did this last year. It's cool. Um, and that'll just tell us how they feel about quarterback transfers. Yeah, I think we should. 
did this quarterback competition make you feel the length of it and the fact that it seemed like, at least from the outside, that it was difficult for them to pick? Did it make you feel better or worse about the prospects of this year? <sighs> Probably a little bit worse. Um, or not so much worse. It's, it's such it's, a downer podcast. It, it is. Um, but it was kind of recalibrating. You know, it's, it's kind of, I, again, view it as kind of coming back to maybe where I originally was and where, I, prob- to the meme. And where I probably, yes, where I probably should have been all along. Um, but like everyone else, you know, you see those vertical increases and squat increases and, mm-hmm. and you hear the players talk. And, and I mean, and I do think there's legitimate reason. Like if you're thinking, Hey, I want to be all in on best case scenario. Like there are reasons to feel like that's a better possibility than it was six months ago. Sure. The quarterback race, however, is not one of those reasons for me. You know, I, I, it, it was, tro- it was worrisome. The fact, and, and not that because I think that you know both guys suck and they can't throw and they've got just terrible options in the quarterback room. But I think it was troublesome that a neither guy could separate to the point where they could pick one, and b it was so difficult for them to pick one. Yeah, like because, and maybe it was just the way that I took this, but in in Frost talking about Adrian today and talking about why they went with him, and, and he essentially said that it was because of the running element with Adrian. And I was thinking, well, you knew that in February. Like, you knew that in March. Like, this is not new information that Adrian is a better runner than Tristan Jebbia is. So if if that was the the separating factor, why did it take so long to yeah. acknowledge that? Yeah, I don't know if we'll... Uh, we'll, we'll try. Um, but I don't know if we'll ever get the sort of full story. Anytime one of these, like, QB races happen, like, all the things within a team that coaches are trying to manage um and and all of that but like like i said earlier like something about this just doesn't totally add up to me and i don't mean there's like there's anything bad going on but like for the reasons you mentioned like we knew this stuff kind of like so basically what had happened what what happened with this quarterback decision well it kind of played out the way everybody thought it Mm -hmm. would after seeing the spring game right like we we ended up where we began you know we ran two polls, same question, who's going to be the starter. Spring game, it was like 60% Adrian right after the spring game. When we did it a week ago, it had flipped to, to Jebbia. Um, almost perfectly, too. It was like almost, 60, 63 or 4 or something like that yep. with Jebbia. And yet, what we found out was that basically nothing had really changed. So it's just, it's, it's interesting. Um, the way the information came out obviously plays into that. Um, you know, but people started feeling better about Jebbia. About two weeks ago, are you worried at all about Adrian's throwing about the shoulder? Because he talked about he talked about playing an entire basketball season on a torn labrum, and the trainer like, okay, here's another thing that I want to ask. So he talks he talked about going up for a layup and getting his arm hacked at and getting his shoulder dislocated, going over to the trainer and the trainer telling him, yeah, your shoulder's dislocated. You probably tore your labrum more. Go ahead and go back in. <laughs> What was that trainer doing? <laughs> you should be telling the kid no. <laughs> you would hope, um, e- even at the high school level, but as I have learned from the Maryland episode, I guess, maybe that's vet true. your trainers. Um, I mean, that, that's, that's my other big takeaway from the offseason. In addition to pro-style offenses are probably, you're probably making things difficult on yourselves, or properly vet your trainers. Like... He must have been one of the, 
I don't even want to say this because it's mean to the student assistants that help with the team. Like, how do you... I don't... I can't even wrap my brain around that. <laughs> yeah, you probably tore your labor more. Go ahead and go back in and take a shot. Not only was he... He wasn't just standing in the corner. He was like... The play was drawn up for him. Like... And how do you play your entire basketball season on a torn labrum? I, I don't know. I um, do not understand that. Am I worried? <laughs> I, I, I don't, I'm not worried about it from a throwing perspective. I'm more worried about it from like the hits he's probably going to take. Sure. Like, and like you said, you're t- two quarterbacks away from Matt Masker, who I think has a chance to be pretty good. But you know, like we said... He is he is what he is at this point. Um, but although I did I did appreciate Frost noting today that he's taken the last the most recent live snap of any of Nebraska's quarterbacks on uh, on the roster. That is the one thing that I feel like hasn't gotten enough pub this offseason. And like we've talked about it, like we we I mean we've talked about it. But that's a big deal. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a big deal. And he was like, it's not like you know we came in and we had a a senior quarterback and we picked a freshman over him. That was the case that they had at Central Florida. They had a senior and he got hurt and Mackenzie Milton came in. I mean, they they had they had two walk-ons and they had a redshirt freshman and a freshman that didn't play his, his senior season in high school. That's not a situation you want to be in when you're telling people that yeah, we're we're planning to win games this season. Right. Yeah, and it's that's a that's a unique circumstance that's years in the making. Like I said, I, I look at Nebraska's quarterback position and be like, no, they haven't had depth for ten or twelve years. But you know, I don't know if most teams do actually. Like, it's hard to think of the team that was like, oh yeah, but they've been getting the backup ready and he's ready to go now that star quarterback X is out. Like, it just doesn't happen that way. Like, it's, you get your starter hurt and all of a sudden it's okay. You're you're playing somebody who hasn't played a whole lot. Yeah, that's true. I was just thinking of a team that had one. Oh, Alabama. Oh, there you go. Alabama has one. That's Except, you know, Nick Saban can do whatever he wants and it will turn to gold. Right. Maybe Jalen Hurts transfers to Nebraska. Maybe. And he's your backup because he, as we saw in the national championship, was a gracious backup. He was, you know. And then we heard after the fact he was not happy about it. No. <laughs> I loved his comments on whatever, like, A-Day or whatever day that was, like... You just let him know. Let him know. And, like, everything seems fine. Saban's like, yeah, I talked to him, and on they went. But somebody mentioned the other day that, like, you know, it's great that Tua came in and saved the national championship game for Alabama, but, like, Jalen Hurts is still throwing, like, hundreds of passes, you know. <laughs> We've seen one half of football from Tua plus whatever, you know, he got in in the season leading up to that and backup duty, like, I don't know that that's a foregone conclusion, even though everyone assumes it is, that he's going to be better for an entire year. Like We've seen way more of Hurts than we have, have of him. Jalen Hurts is 25-2 and two as a starter at Alabama, or 27-2, and two, or something like that, and has two national championships, or one? Just one, I think. Okay, so one title, and like an Iron Bowl loss, and we're just expecting that this freshman kid is going to be a Heisman Trophy winner. Right. He has the best Heisman odds of anyone. Anyone. Trace <laughs> uh, McSorley, everyone. <laughs> Probably should have a pretty good shot. Where do you think Adrian Martinez falls? We're getting we're, we're getting a little off topic, but where do you think Adrian Martinez falls in the Big Ten quarterback hierarchy? Ooh. 
should know this better. I really liked uh, Indiana's Peyton Ramsey being out. High-profile Arizona transfer. You and I have talked about Peyton Ramsey before, too, yeah, yeah. for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> so you got McSorley one, I think. Um, probably got, what, Ohio State two. Iowa's up there. Wisconsin. Mm, I don't know. Are you a Hornybrook guy? I had I actually had somebody asking me the other day. They were like, how do you feel about Hornybrook? And I was like, I mean, Nate Stanley might be better than him. Like, when Iowa has a better quarterback than you, like, mm, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. So, so Wisconsin's probably like tier two, so they're maybe better than average, but closer to average. I think you, you got to put Martinez like right there, probably like eight, nine, don't you think? I'm, I'm trying to think of like who the new guys are. Like Rutgers is starting a true freshman. Mm-hmm. Minnesota's but, obviously starting the true freshman. Yeah. Illinois is um, starting A.J. Bush. Illinois, I put A.J. Martinez ahead of A.J. Bush. Okay. Um, although I'm excited to see A.J. Bush get that. Get that opportunity. I don't know if it's the best opportunity, but it's an opportunity to play. Yeah. Um, so good for him. I hope he does well. Just trying to run through the quarterbacks. Clayton Thorson at Northwestern. Are you a, are you a Thorson believer? I, I think I get the sense more than most. Um, Greg is I, totally not. Yeah, <laughs> I would I would put him in the top tier, assuming that the top tier is about what four deep. So Penn State, Ohio State. I think Thorson gets in there at four. And somebody at three that I'm forgetting at the moment. So could you would you put Adrian in that middle tier? Then we're looking at six to ten. Yeah, probably. That was about right. Like I think he's going to be good. Yeah. Like he, I thought he did really well in a very high profile press conference today. Um, for whatever that's worth mm-hmm. on the field, um, maybe maybe it's worth nothing. But I thought he did well in that, and he's he has always seemed like the sort of mature guy from the very first time that we got the chance to talk with him on campus. I feel like that should tra- I feel like composure should transfer over. I think cuz so. that's composure. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going to be out there, you know, the second somebody beats the tackle on the outside, he's going to be throwing across his body into triple coverage. Yeah. I think he'll be okay. I also think and and you mentioned this earlier, I don't know that it's I don't know that he needs to be anything more than just not turning the ball over. Yeah. And Scott talked about that too. He's like we just need efficient play and we need to not turn the ball over and we need to execute because they got weapons they do and i think they got a good defense yeah i think that i think that'll be challenge one i think challenge two will be not trying to do too much like just take your reads like even if you know hey this play may like i can take this play and get five six yards but i think i can roll the dice a little bit and maybe get 60 if i go over here like i think that's going to be a little bit of a challenge for a young guy and that's one where not having that immediate sort of, hey, if you keep making those plays, we're going to pull you and put the guy in whose strength was reportedly making the reads those and, and, knowing, and knowing where the way, knowing knowing where to go with the ball. Well, that's gone now too. Mm-hmm. So I think that becomes a little bit of a bigger concern um, going into 2018. Cool. I think we hit everything. Might as well wrap it up. I think so. We got a good emergency pod. Forty minutes. Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> we've done. We've done a lot of quarterback podcasting in August. Yeah, we I have. I think we'll be glad for a break too. God, I'm so ready to stop talking about the quarterback to talk about to talk about actual football games. Brandon, it's nice to have you in studio, quote unquote studio. I told Aaron this was like a closet the other day. It felt like a closet. The Clawfus. The Clawfus. Yep. Yeah. That's such a weird thing. She's good at naming things. <laughs> it's nice to have you in studio. Good to talk to you for 40 minutes about quarterbacks. Uh, we'll have another podcast on Friday when we. 
hit up somebody from Akron to talk about a football game. Finally, it will be amazing. And we'll have coverage throughout the week as Nebraska gears up for Akron on Saturday. Uh, thanks, guys. Thank you.